0: Right, Barry. Just to start this off, can you please introduce yourself and just tell us what your role is at the university and what you're about, please?
1: Okay, my name is Barry Llewellyn, and I'm senior lecturer in creative writing at the University of South Wales. I teach undergraduates, I te- teach postgraduates, and I got involved in working with refugees through a colleague of mine called Mike Chick, um, who is who was very involved with um, teaching. Our students to teach English to students of other languages and within that he became involved in the Refugee Council and it's been about four or five years I think that he's been working with the Refugee Council. Okay. That's kind of how I got interested.
0: I did g- generally wonder how this came about because it's um, from a university point of view I mean I, I work at the atrium down in uh, Cardiff where we, where you will at some point be hopefully <laughs> joining us but you're in the business school and I'm in the kind of media culture and journalism sector so I had some students who were doing a professional practice um, kind of activities for the third year, trying to put a professional portfolio together, which is why I contacted you. But I wondered how it all came about to begin with. because It's a really unusual kind of uh, project. How does it work with you then in terms of um, the students, in terms of your students?
1: So I've been a creative writing tutor for probably about 20 years. Um, I've said to you, I've taught undergraduates and postgraduates and I've even got a few PhD students. And. Um, But as as my my own professional ideas have developed, I've been really interested in creative writing as a tool for well-being. So, um, you know, I've done quite a lot of writing and thinking about um, the ideas that you can't really be a healthy person unless you're also being creative. So for me, that works for me very well. And so often in my, even in my undergraduate classes, although we're talking about, publication and we're talking about strategies of writing and reaching an audience, I'm also always talking about the well-being benefits of being creative. Um, so that for me, this sort of, this um, idea of, so Dr. Chick was working with the refugees, um, and I believe that he is interested in finding new ways of engaging students in their own learning. For For the group of refugees that we were working with, they have been resettled in Pontypre, in the Pontipreth area for about four years. And many of them are adults with children. But I think you know, Steve, if you went to live in Syria and you needed to learn Arabic, it wouldn't be easy. I think as we get older, it's probably harder to acquire language. So, um, and of course, as we know, language is really key to integration, to getting jobs, to going, you know, to, going to the doctors, to buying sugar in the supermarkets. You need to know the language in a new in a new place. So Mike talked a lot about what his work was was like, and I was interested in this. And then I started to think about how I view creativity, and um, I wondered if I could add something to the refugees' experience of learning their language by adding the kinds of things that I'm interested in doing. So um, that's really how the the um, the ideas came about and the ideas brewed for quite a while until there was a call out for some funding from Literature Wales, their um, Literature for Wellbeing fund last summer. And I, I looked at it and I thought this is the opportunity to do something I've been thinking about doing for a long time. And that's how it sort of started.
0: That's interesting because I, I I honestly, I know we've been working on this, but you know, I've been in my kind of, world and you've been in your world and yeah i had the chance to actually discuss how it came about that's so really interesting so the uh, english speakers who are working with the refugees they're creative they're creative writing students yeah a
1: lot some of so our english students um yeah. in within our two english degrees on campus mm-hmm. and um we're we're within the school of well we were within the school of humanities so um and that's within the business school so it, it's yeah. quite complicated structure okay. but um our students have always had the option to to, to to study something called TESOL teaching English to students of other like to speakers of other languages um, alongside their English degree degrees many of my creative writing students are also TESOL learners they're learning t- to teach students um, and they get a certificate um, for spending three years studying TESOL so it's a it's a great Program a great opportunity for them.
0: They were interesting characters as well, weren't they? I mean, on, on sort of both sides of the conversation. They were interesting characters, uh, your students, and interesting characters, you know, within the refugee group. So, Absolutely. So did it kind of work out how you expected it to, better than you expected? Did you get um, unexpected outcomes from it?
1: Um, what, I, what I think was the surprise for me, I mean, it was hugely surprising, the whole idea. Um, but I think... Uh, there's something to say. I think the idea of putting um, our students and our volunteers into partners with the um, the refugees, um, so that for the five weeks that we worked together, they worked in a partnership. Um, that to me, that I don't even know if that was my idea because there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of discussion before this all happened with various people who I you know I need to thank. Um, and I think some in one kind of we were tossing ideas around what if we put them in partners and that way you have a conversation so for me the surprise of the project was i went into this thinking you know i'm a creative writer writing tutor i'm going to i'm going to teach people how to write poems <laughs> that was my kind of thing you know we'll get we'll get some poems out of this and maybe we'll get a book or maybe we'll do an exhibition of poetry maybe we'll do readings that was, you know, that was my crazy ideas. But, you know, again, I had, a, I had to stop and think about the language acquisition and how, just how difficult that is. And if you're, you're resettled, even for four years and taking classes, it's, it's a big ask to start writing poetry. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I quickly abandoned that. And um, the surprise of the project yeah. was that we didn't write poetry. We had conversations and we recorded the conversations. Yes. For me, that was the magic. It didn't matter about writing short stories or writing a poem. What mattered was that people were speaking to each other and sharing experiences.
0: I mean, just from from my point of view, because I, I, I came along, I think, either one or two weeks. I think maybe it only been the one week that I, I got there. It was towards the end. So when, when I came in, because my students were working with you, because my students were gathering audio and video and content for their portfolios, and they were kind of, uh, I suppose, Observing the conversations which were taking place to 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 a large extent, mm-hmm. but I mean, I walked into a room which was just absolutely buzzing,
1: smiling. And I have to tell you that the magic for me happened within the very first evening, and and it was definitely down to the fact that we were in, we were going to work together in in partners, um, and that you know the room was full of not just my students and your students, but also like local volunteers who were really keen to be involved in something, you know, I kept describing it as one small thing that would help a group of people. And there was a lot of good people that wanted to get involved in this, doing this one small thing. Um, And the first night that we were there, that they came in, the the volunteers and the refugees, we were really, we were just blessed because it just so happened that four people had a birthday. (laughs) So... (laughs) It was so easy. We had birthday cake. We filled the room with balloons and candles. We sang happy birthday in Arabic, English, and in Welsh. We got to know just one or two things about each other. And then we talked about how we celebrate. So the theme was celebration. And um, from the moment these people walked into the room, all of them, there were smiles and there was laughter and there was a real willingness for people who didn't know each other before to get together and to speak and real openness. And it, it just warmed my heart. You know, I was, it was not what I expected and it was a, it was a, a wonderful bonus to what I expected, you know? So, um, that was the first night.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause I'm not saying but to me, it just struck me as successful and that. Um, I mean, for example, Vaughn Reese, you know, the university chaplain were kind of been part of his, building there you know yeah. where, place I mean he's this is absolutely what what Vaughn uh, it does you know this is this is what he does is bring people together as you know and yeah what a great man he is by the way but I mean and I know Vaughn's one of my best friends at the university so I walked into Vaughn was there which is always good news you're there, you know, you're kind of vibrant and enthusiastic and making things happen. And you got a room full of happy people and they're all conversing with each other. And you can sort of see those partnerships where the uh, English student is speaking to a refugee, wherever they might be from around the world, they are genuinely forging connections. Mm.
1: One of the magic things for me, Steve, was that some of the volunteer students and, and volunteers were from places like Poland and Czech. And... Um, then your students came on board and they were from Thailand and Hungary and China, I think. Yeah. China, uh, that's right. And,
0: nations um, around the world. I remember it, them. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then of course we had, um, a photojournalist who was from India mm-hmm. and there was, we've got a couple of artists working with us and Marina is from Italy and Robert is from Romania. And so in the third week we did, um, we, no, I think it was the fourth week we did, Friendships and one of the things that I, I didn't even think about doing beforehand But we asked everybody in the room how they greet people in their countries. Like do you kiss on both cheeks? Do you shake hands? Um, I had we have a Canadian volunteer So and then somebody turned around and you know, I'm American and they went well, how do you do it? And I was like, oh, how do we do it? <laughs> you know, but um, but it, but everybody you know people from Syria people from China It was just, it was just wonderful. It was, I can't explain the warmth and the joy in the room. And and that was exactly what I wanted. So when I first started talking about the project with people like Mike and Naomi Preston, who's the research assistant who was involved, and other people, I kept saying what I wanted to concentrate on was celebration and joy. I think the refugees and from, you know, the Sudanese and the Syrian refugees, I think often they're being asked to tell their stories, which are not always nice stories. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of, I didn't want us to be writing poems about that. I If they came up, that was fine. But what I wanted to talk about was what we have in common, you know, and what, um, so we, some of the themes were, as I said, celebration. The second week we had a, food was the theme and everybody brought in food and it was, it was just, it was, a, it was magic, but it was chaos. Like with everybody eating, you know, beautiful chicken and rice and pancakes from China, sorry, pancakes from Canada yeah. and um, loads of Welsh cakes from Wales. <laughs> um, it was just, it was just chaos. And, and, and at one point, at some point I thought, I can't control this chaos, so I'm going to let it go and I'm going to see what happens with it, you know, I'm see where it goes.
0: No, it was a nice chaos.
1: Yeah, it was, it was great.
0: It was it was just uh, lovely. Um, pro- uh, what about the actual kind of the the refugees um, who worked on this project? Uh, they they'll be looking back and viewing this content as well. Have you heard from any of them how they yeah. felt about
1: it? Yeah, we try. I mean, we try to try to keep in contact. What's nice about the partnerships is that those partnerships have become friendships. So the people that I'm in touch with after the project finished in February, before we were in this kind of lockdown crazy situation that we're in now, I know that some people were going to dinner with each other, oh, nice. inviting each other, you know, to each other's houses. And there was a lot of back and forth. Um, Debenhams invited all the young women that were involved in the project. So there was quite a few, uh, you know, girls. They they invited, one of our volunteers works for Debenhams and Debenhams uh, got excited by what she was doing, and they invo- they invited the girls to come in. All ha- everybody had makeovers, so I've got some photographs of the makeovers. And then they laid on tea for them, and it was just you know it's really nice. So you know this was a project that that a lot of people's imaginations. Were captured and they wanted to do something. What we'd like to do, obviously, is continue this in some way, in the future. So it's not going to end. <laughs> it was going to be a five-week project, but I think it's going to be a, a much longer-term project now.
0: I think, I think it. I think it deserves, deserves much more than that. Just to briefly say, from my point of view, I think we talked about this earlier on, when, when early early on, rather, when we had a, an initial discussion, and I talked to you about the thing called the conversation with the name, which is kind of a something, which is kind of a mantra for what I do within kind of radio and media stuff. And that's clearly what was going on there, you know. It didn't necessarily matter too much what that conversation was about. It was just important that a conversation was ensuing with change going on.
1: I should say that my my role in this was to give prompts. So uh, one night the theme was what we wear. So as a creative writing teacher, I would have called that my uniform, but I didn't want to call it that. I wanted it to be clear what I wanted. So we talked about... Um, things like what we wear typically, what kinds, where our shoes have been, you know, those kinds of like, I gave those kinds of prompts. And one of the things we did that night was we had a guessing game. So everybody described someone else in the room by what they were wearing. And then we had to guess. And there was, at times, there was like 25 people. And it, these games took a long time because everybody spoke. And that that was another one of the real successes of the project is that everybody had a voice. So when we came together as a huge group, even though we were working in partners, everyone spoke and everybody wanted to speak. And I noticed that some of the, the refugees, especially some of the women who are not in school and don't have as much practice, they really wanted to have their voices heard and they worked to have their voices heard with their partners who gave them the confidence, you know. And that was, um, that was a really magic thing, too. I keep saying the word magic, but it really was a magic experience, you know.
0: You should congratulate yourselves and, and my chick and your colleagues on a, on a fantastically successful, um, uh, more than an event, really. Just, you know, the, 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 the kind of ideology of what you were trying to achieve, you know, it was just absolutely staring, staring me in the face. Now I was there the night where they were giving each other presents. That's like, right. It went around the entire room. But one was really lovely. I can't remember the name of this. There was one um, participant who had very, very, very little English. But it was just beautiful hearing him sort of, you know, put those few words together and give that gift. It kind of said everything, really.
1: That was was a really special night, too, because I think that was the week where we, we did friendship. And what we did was we had a table full of things, just stuff. I went to the charity shops and bought you know, a small Eiffel Tower and, but everybody brought something. So some people brought in dessert spoons and Mm -hmm. some people brought in gloves and some people brought, and everybody was to went to the table and they chose a gift to give to their new friend. And they said why they chose these gifts. And that was, I mean, I think for your sound, that was a gift because there was a story to tell everybody had a reason why they chose those gifts. Um, And that was just such a warm, a warm moment too I'm glad you were there for that Steve I'm glad
0: you saw that yeah I couldn't make it the following week I think the following week was the final week if I remember yeah I had some other commitments I couldn't get to, but I mean, it was it was lovely and my my students as you probably know uh, I, I could try I won't try and remember their names now but I, I will I know their names and I know more or else where they're from um, and I should say they were from all over the world but the, I mean they they really loved doing it
1: they were a pleasure they were they, you know, and that was the other nice thing about this project is that as people came into the room, um, they were welcomed by everybody, and they there was no moment of awkwardness. I don't think for anybody, you know. I think maybe I had the most awkward moments because I was running it and worrying that everybody was okay, you know. But but actually, once I relaxed and said everybody is okay and people are just talking and that's what we should be doing, it was fine. Um, but your students added, definitely added something to the atmosphere of the room.
0: So we set up um, a WhatsApp group on that called sound speak to me. Yeah. So you came up with that title. So Tom, could you tell me a little bit about that? What, why, why you went with that?
1: Um, that was, I mean, that's a really good question. How do you ever find um, a title for a project? Um, I think when I first was thinking about it, I was thinking of something much more lofty, like it was originally called speak to me, speak to my soul. And then I just thought we just need speak to me because (laughs) because um, I just you know, I'm a person that likes to keep things quite light. And if it gets if it gets um, serious, then that's fine. And I'm good with serious, you know, but um, but let's keep it light. So we just ended up with speak to me. And I think speak to me worked. And I and I honestly don't know where it came from. It was just bouncing, bouncing titles around. I think titles are difficult, you know, and I think. It's funny isn 't it when i first, when we first settled on speak to me i wasn 't convinced, but now it 's absolutely perfect <laughs>
0: so, yeah, it, it works for me I think it's, yeah. it's talking about keeping things light. I just want to say to you, um with all that's going on in the world right now, you know day by day as we speak um, and kind of uh, a lot of kind of uh, things which relate to racial stereotypes and prejudice and hatred and misunderstanding, why is this? In terms of this kind of thing that you've done and, and been so largely part of, why does it matter? You know what's the kind of underlying value to it in terms of us, I mean, as people?
1: You know, I can only speak for myself, but um I've been hugely lucky to live a very privileged life. you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to tell you I don't work hard for my living, I do, and I have to work, you know. but but my life has been I, I once asked a poet who was speaking to us as a group. You know, what have we got to say as people who have lived such soft lives? And we have. I mean, I have. I don't know if you have. Mm-hmm. But I have lived a soft life. Yes, of course, everybody's got their, you know, huge dramas, <laughs> which are not dramas. Um, and, you know, traumatic events. Or, and we lose people. And But on the whole, I've left, led a very soft life. I've, I've had an easy time. And with that as well, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I haven't met a lot of Syrian refugees or Sudanese refugees. I haven't had the opportunity to speak to them. I listen to a lot of radio. I'm an, I'm a huge uh, NPR fan and Radio 4 fan. So I do I you know, I keep myself informed about what's going on in the world. But it's back to that thing and I think I said this to your students when I first met them when I came into your class and asked them if they would help with the sound recordings is that I as I get older and I Understand how easy my life has been, and how you know I have what I want, and I have my family nearby, and I'm very lucky. I want to do something. I just wanted to do my one small thing, and my only talent is to um, help people be creative with writing, and so I was, you know, trying to put those two things together. And I, I actually do believe, and I'm sure this is not a new idea, but I actually believe that every if everybody did their one small thing. The whole world would be better. Um, it only takes small moments, doesn't it? So that's kind of where I'm from, and you know. Well,
0: talking about small things. Sorry, this is around what we're talking about, but it's very valid. I mean, at the moment, obviously, in you know your home country, things aren't quite how they should be, um, and we see all of this rioting, and we see um, police—you know—what appears to be police uh, brutality. Going on, um, but some of the I've I've seen some also some small things, as you put it, where the even in riot gear, these police going down on one knee to show some respect, or taking their helmet off, or saying, "Hey, we're with you guys," you know, little things like this are so important right now. Absolutely,
1: I, I mean, on on that, if you want, I mean, I obviously today we're recording this, and I'm devastated by what's going on in America. I'm also mortally embarrassed. <laughs> if I'm honest, I'm embarrassed that race has been an issue. I feel like, personally, I feel like I'm going to live and die with a couple of big issues that are never going to be solved. You know, it's awful to sort of like feel that you are not going to see an end to racism, race problems, um, to gun control, to police brutality, to broken political systems. You know, I mean, I, I could go on and on, but yeah. that's, that's kind of how I feel. And um, so, yeah, as we speak, I'm, I'm devastated about what's happening in America. Um, I'm worried for my family that are there. And my family are probably safe. You know, they're probably in safe places. Again, that's back to my we live a soft life.
0: Yeah. So, but, I mean, I, I'm glad we talked about that because that stuff really does matter. And it really, it's an non- all. It, absolutely. Context. It's always been there. It comes yeah. and goes in terms of prominence, but it's always been there. And yeah. unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to go away.
1: But back back to my point, Steve, as like citizens of the world, yes, we can tweet. I mean, we're not going to change people's minds by shouting at each other on Twitter, are we? Like it's pointless. But we can, we can do one small, well, this, this, whatever we can do, we should do, you know? And that was my idea of like, you know, Dr. Chick was working with forced migrants, he was talking about it a lot. He was, he, he kind of ignited a, an idea in me that said I can do something to help. So that's what, that's what we did. And it, it was, really became not my project, it was everybody's project, your students, you, uh, Vaughn, you know, people like Nina Rabioti who came along and gave out pizza one night, do you know what I mean? Everybody, everybody took part in this.
0: Was there anyone else that you wanted to mention at at that point at all? Uh, Beverly Humphreys, for example, was involved. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. We need to talk about Beverly because Beverly Humphreys works um, along with RCT um, supporting uh, the Sudanese and Syrian refugees in uh, the Ponteprith area in so many ways. She um, gives her time she gives her resources and she gives her love and they love her back.
0: When I was there, you were pretty well, in a good way, kind of just letting it happen.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, have, I had to. You know, we started off this project asking for eight, eight of the, the forced migrants and eight volunteers. And every week, Beverly would ring me up and say, Barry, can I bring someone else? Someone else wants to come. They were hearing about it and they wanted to come. So by the end of it, we had a lot of people in the room. So, you know, I had to sort of step back as, a, as somebody who leads workshops all the time and tries to keep control and make sure that everybody speaks one at a time and we can all hear each other and that the criticism is at, at a good level. I had to step back and go, no, this is gonna happen without me. I'm just gonna give them ideas of what to talk about and then we'll see what happens. And, and actually that was a, that was a great moment. I learned loads from just stepping back and letting that happen.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, that conversation with the name analogy talks about, you know, us, like you and I having a conversation and then it talks about um, people listening to that conversation. And then it talks about the sharing of that conversation. So, you know, it's kind of multi-tiered really looking to the future now. This is, you know, being pretty well, Pretty well, a resounded success, in my opinion. (laughs) Thank you. What comes next? What's the future?
1: Well, um, I think we all want to continue. And I think had we not um, come up against coronavirus and been locked down, we were. The plan was to meet for like a kind of convers like an interim sort of conversation get together, probably every couple of weeks or every month. We had um, a nice exhibition of sound and uh, photographs planned for. March into April which we've had to abandon for the moment. It will happen. Um, There's also going to be possibly a virtual um, home for the exhibition for the time being. I'm just looking into to how we can set that up um, this week. But we want to continue this project. Um, Some of the students that were involved will graduate and move on and that's fine because there will be other people that want to volunteer and help us. Some of the local volunteers who are who live and work in this area want to continue. And I think by the way, the refugees talked about the project and the feedback we got from them, I think they want to continue the project. They saw the value in spending an hour a week with a group of people that they can just chat to and have coffee with, you know? So um, we have the idea of there's, here's me back to my lofty, you know, how do we make writing out of this? Cause that's always going to be my default. Um, is that we'd like to maybe write an illustrated children's book that um, and we can do it together as a project that would maybe talk about in some way the refugee experience and how people um, integrate, resettle in a, in a country like Wales, which is like, you know, lovely, but completely different to Syria, I imagine, you know. So, um, and, you know, my hope for that, my very, again, lofty hope for that would be that if we could produce this book, sort of picture book, Using artists from the atrium and using the print room in Traforas in to produce it, and you know, with this, with the support of again the university and literature Wales, that maybe the Welsh government would take a hold of this book and give it to each refugee family as they arrive in Wales. And I think you know we've we have I think that kind of thing would be a nice project for us to continue with, yeah. and so that way we have something to work towards, and we also have reason to meet but I
0: think we we have a reason to meet anyway. That gives it a nice legacy I think as well doesn't it? Yeah. And then looking to the future I mean from my point of view with what I do uh, um, I mean I would love my students to be involved again I don't know how the next term is going to look we don't at the moment but at some stage when we get back to some sense of normality then I, I would I would where it's appropriate I'd love to bring you in quite early on and talk to my students because what you're doing You know, is exactly what I want our students to do. Because in the grand sense, universities these days have this, to use your phrase, magical uh, vision of something called civic mission. And what what is civic mission if it isn't bringing people together and finding common good? And that's absolutely that. Yeah.
1: And we ought to we ought to just mention that the university has become a a university of sanctuary recently. And so you know these. We should involve as many students as we can in all the activities that support that. Um, but your, your students were so valuable. And I, and I, because I think in terms of writing as a creativity, you think in terms of sound and music as a creativity. There's no reason why. What I need in my life is people like you that say there are other ways to be creative and let's combine these ways. You know, there's not just one way to, to do this, you know?
0: Well, on that note, Barry. Thanks very much. And well, thank you, Steve. Congratulations on a, a, a great, great project.
1: I um, think we should congratulate all of us.
0: <laughs> and of course, everyone who took part in it because without them, we just would, you know, I mean, they were amazing.
1: Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you.